Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Bay Area Podcast and Believe Podcast. Now we're the Bay Area's number one sports podcast. Now we're the only place to show up for a team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And you can find me personally at Reichel Radio on Twitter. On this week's show, we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors and some of their games coming up over the next couple of days from a betting perspective. Before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. With the NBA in full swing and as college basketball starts to heat up around March Madness, make sure you find your way to bet on all the action here at Bet Online. They also have a special deal coming for March Madness as they have a $100,000 Bracket Madness contest as Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. BetOnline has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds, the best place to place your wagers, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on just your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ben Barry Podcast here on the Bleed Podcast Network. Now, before we end up going on break, we previewed what we were going to be doing once again for this week's show. Same thing, talking about Golden State, talking about some of the upcoming matchups they have this week. And also, maybe a brief sprinkle of some trade deadline talk. But before we do that, we're going to quickly recap what ended up happening last week. Overall, technically, we went 1-2. and two, But, of course, Golden State had back-to-back games against Memphis. I said that it would end up splitting against Memphis, and that's exactly what happened. I just got the order of the games wrong. I thought Golden State would lose the first game, win the second game. Instead, they won the first game, lost the second game. Really close enough. I said they are going to end up chopping, and then I said that they would end up losing to Philly, and that is exactly what happened. But Golden State right now still sits at 22-22, and 22, still fighting for a playoff spot right now in position to play in the play-in tournament for that new wrinkle that the NBA added for the playoffs. But looking at the actual division, Golden State is currently in fourth, seven and a half games behind Phoenix for first place. Really no hope of winning the division. I know that Golden State's also just three games ahead of Sacramento. So keep that in mind because Golden State does play Sacramento tonight. So the game could be potentially meaningful uh, in the future. But before I end up talking about the schedule, brief uh, look at what Golden State has done during the uh, trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline. And the answer is absolutely nothing, which is what I thought that Golden State would end up doing. This team really didn't have many pieces that they could really ship off. Or if they did, I didn't think that they would want to sell them for scraps with regard to Wiggins and Oubre. So I'm not exactly surprised Golden State did nothing. Uh, Do I think they should have probably have done something? Yeah, I probably would have ended up trying to trade Wiggins for maybe a first, try to trade Oubre, something like that, because this season, don't get me wrong, if you're a Warriors fan, of course you want your team to make the playoffs, but at the end of the day, in the long term, is it really going to change anything? Because let's just say Golden State ends up making it into the playoffs. Let's just say that they end up winning the play-in tournament, get an eight seed, and match up against, uh, let's just say for the sake of the current one seed, you play Utah. Now, Golden State has actually fared okay against Utah, but I think we can agree, though, that this team is really just not that great. I know Curry, of course, having a great year, even though he's still banged up and he's probably going to be missing the next couple of games, but you look at the rest of the roster, the supporting cast isn't very good. And I know that Wiggins had a pretty good year, Draymond's been very solid with his distributing and with his defense, but... You're just going down the line. There's a reason why Golden State's 22-22. and 22. It's because the team isn't very good. And I think you can make an argument that if the Warriors would hypothetically try to pick up more assets and try to potentially, um, I'd say, package some picks maybe on draft night for a potential player, uh, you might be able to actually create more long-term success. 
I'm not saying you should become the Magic and blow up your entire team, which I found pretty funny because Orlando beat Phoenix yesterday uh, in kind of a pretty big upset there. And then immediately Orlando decided after winning, you know what, we don't really need Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, or Fournier. So Orlando has decided to fully embrace the tank. And I'm not saying Golden State should have done that to that degree, but I do think you can make an argument that moving around a couple of pieces here and there for added draft capital might have been smarter long term. Then again, still about 30 minutes left before the deadline, but I really haven't even heard rumors about Golden State being involved in anything. So I really don't think that they are going to really do anything. But other than that, though... That's pretty much all I have to say about the trade deadline. Props to the Bulls uh, for getting Vucevic. I know they gave up a couple of picks. They also gave up Otto Porter, who's always injured, and Wendell Carter, who's also always injured. Orlando really just decided, you know what, we're going to try to go for either Cade Cunningham or for somebody. It might be a little too little too late because Minnesota got a pretty big head start in the tanking. But either way, though, uh, just looking at the actual trades, I want to say it's been quieter than I thought it was going to be. I know that Toronto ended up trading Norman Powell to Portland, which I think is a pretty good move for kind of both sides. I, I know that I like Gary Trent as a player, but I feel like Powell gives Portland a lot of extra offensive firepower. The only issue is that Portland probably had enough offensive firepower and can't really guard anybody, and I don't think Powell's a good defender, so we're kind of going to see what happens there. But there, haven't re- there has not really been any huge trades, and I know that the Clippers actually just traded Lou Williams for Rajon Rondo, So you will be getting playoff Rondo once again in a couple of months. Uh, Do I think that really matters? Not really, but I feel like it's definitely a fun narrative to talk about. But just going through the actual line here, there really just have not been many crazy, crazy trades. I know Lowry is still on Toronto. You can still look around. Alonzo is still on New Orleans. A couple of rumored players who would be shipped off really have just stayed pat, and I'm not really surprised. And I do expect that to probably remain the case over the next half an hour. But other than that, though, we're going to actually switch gears and talk about the first matchup. There are three games coming up on the schedule for Golden State this week. Uh, they have the matchup tonight against Sacramento, which will be taking place on the road. Then they play at home against Atlanta tomorrow. So it is a back-to-back, and then ends up playing against Chicago on Monday, and then ends up facing off against Miami on Thursday. But we will end up covering the Miami game next week. So we're going to start off and talk about the matchup with Sacramento. And Sacramento, so far this season, of course, has been underwhelming. That's another rumor that I guess kind of died, which was that Bagley and Buddy Heald would be traded by the deadline that has been circling, uh, circulating for about a month or so, and both of them are still there. But Sacramento has played a little bit better lately, has won two in a row, beat Atlanta yesterday by two. So it is going to be a back-to-back for Sacramento, but Curry is most likely going to be out for this game. So the question is, which team do you actually sh- see show up for Golden State without Curry? You have seen a little bit of a mixed bag, mostly negative. Uh, I feel like Philly was a perfect game to sum up both of those sides in the same game because Golden State fell down really, really early by double digits and then ended up rallying, taking a five-point lead after three quarters and then fell apart again in the fourth, which I feel like is what you've seen so far with Golden State without Curry because they beat Memphis without him in the first game, ended up losing to Memphis the game after, and then you end up having the loss to Philly, but it was kind of a mixed bag there. So Golden State... Without Curry, you do have to wonder if fatigue will play a factor for Sacramento. Uh, I know Bagley is going to be out. Other than that, though, Mo Harkless is going to be out, but I don't know if that really matters. Uh, Bagley still dealing with a hand injury, probably going to be out for another month. But overall, for this matchup here, I'm actually going to go with the Kings. Uh, I think that Golden State still without Curry is just extremely shorthanded. I know you're going to be relying on Jordan Poole, who's been okay in relief. Uh, you have Wiggins, Oubre, of course, uh, Green, and Wiseman, but... 
I do think that De'Aaron Fox is a serious matchup problem for Golden State. You still have Halliburton. You still have Buddy Heald. I still like that backcourt for Sacramento. I think that the forwards definitely were rumored to potentially be shipped off uh, with Bagley, with Heald, and I also forgot to mention Harrison Barnes. But they ended up deciding to keep all of them, I guess. But Sacramento's played better. Uh, I think that this team is probably good enough to end up getting the job done against a very shorthanded Golden State team. And this game will be close, don't get me wrong, because I don't think Sacramento's very good. But I do think that there's a reason why Sacramento is laying two and a half here. And it's mostly because of the fact that Golden State without Curry has looked pretty underwhelming as a whole. Which is no surprise to anybody, because of course Curry is the best point guard in the league. But still... I think that you can agree that after Golden State didn't really make any moves to, I'd say, improve or to, uh, I'd say, admit that they're tanking, Golden State's going to stay the course, probably end the season around 41, and uh, not 41, 41 because they have a shortened season, but around 500, and then try to squeak into a playoff spot, I guess. But Sacramento, I actually like the way that this team's been playing, and I know it beat Cleveland, which doesn't really mean anything. But if you look at how Sacramento has played, in addition to winning the last two, has actually won four or five. So this team has played better. I do think Sacramento will get the better of Golden State in this game, but I do think it'll be close, and I do think this game will come down to the wire. But I do think Sacramento will eventually edge out a victory. But looking at some of Sacramento's numbers here, just to talk about why I think Fox is going to have a very good game. Fox, of course, has been a very solid point guard. He's definitely progressed into, I don't want to say a star per se, but he's definitely has a lot of star potential, we'll put it that way. But he's averaging 24.1 points per game, 7.3 assists. He's been fantastic. But he healed, averaging 16.8 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game. Now, he healed had some serious issues when it came to his efficiency earlier in the year. Uh, he's definitely been shooting better, shooting around 38.2% from three, which is still a little bit low compared to his career average of 40.6. His field, his field goal percentage has been atrocious, though. Career 43.5% shooter. This season, he is shooting 393 but still has 16.8 points per game. So he has still been pretty, I'd say, solid, even though his efficiency numbers have completely tanked across the board. But I think that the two main surprises for this team this season, not including Halliburton, who I do really like, but he's, of course, a rookie, uh, it's going to be Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes, because Barnes, I feel like a lot of people kind of ended up tossing aside after his awful finals performance against Golden State, and then he ended up playing with Dallas for a couple of years, kind of flew under the radar. But he's had a very good year this year. He's averaging 16.1 points per game, shooting 49.2% from the floor, and he's shooting over 36% from three and 83% from the line. He's been solid. And I feel like that's why some people thought Sacramento would end up trading him. Because even though he feels like he's been in the league for about, I don't know, 15 years, he's still only 28. But you do have to wonder if Sacramento will plan on, I'd say, rebuilding. And I think that Barnes' contract isn't exactly, I'd say, a plus for a borderline rebuilding team. So I thought they might try to ship him off. But it appears he's going to stay and he is their third leading scorer. Then you have Rashawn Holmes, who has been very solid. I know that they ended up acquiring uh, Whiteside during the uh, was it? It was during the offseason, I believe. They ended up acquiring Whiteside. But either way, uh, people kind of thought that Whiteside would end up being the starter for this team, and then Holmes kind of just took the starting job completely. And this team has looked well really good with him as the starter. But if you look at Holmes' numbers, averaging 14 points per game, 8.8 rebounds per game. So I do think that he will be a pretty tough matchup there for Wiseman, also averaging 1.8 blocks per game. So he's been a very pleasant surprise for the Kings, and I think that based on everything that we've seen and the lack of moves from both teams here, Sacramento is going to pretty much keep that original starting five with Halliburton as well and kind of just work from there. But either way, though, uh, transitioning to the next game that we're going to be talking about for Golden State, and that is going to be 
uh, matchup taking place on Friday against Atlanta. And, and Atlanta is a team that actually just lost to Sacramento yesterday. But if you actually want to look at this team, has played a lot better ever since Nate McMillan took over the head coaching job. I know Atlanta was undefeated with him as the coach through uh, several games. I believe it was around seven, I think. But Atlanta ended up losing each of the last two games. Lost Sacramento yesterday and also blew a pretty big lead against the Clippers in the game prior. But Atlanta is also 22-22, and half a game out of first place behind Charlotte, and is also tied with Miami uh, for second place. But Atlanta should make the playoffs. This team has actually looked pretty good lately. Collins and Young still seem to, I'd say, struggle a little bit with chemistry purposes, but they still have a lot of talent. And you look at this overall team, I know that it ended up just trading Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams. I don't know if Lou Williams will play in this game, but he will definitely provide a little bit of a spark off the bench to join Bogdanovich. But looking at this team, though, Young is averaging 25.8 points per game and 9.4 assists per game. Still is uh, still is averaging 4.2 turnovers per game, which isn't ideal. But uh, if you look at the rest of his numbers, his efficiency numbers aren't exactly that great either. Uh, he is shooting around, uh, well, it's not very good. He's shooting around 43% from the floor, and he's also shooting around 36% from three, which, don't get me wrong, sounds decent, but when you're taking that many shots per game, you kind of wish his efficiency numbers were a little bit better, but that's what Trae Young's known for, taking a lot of logo threes, a lot of four shots, and when you're attempting about uh, 18 shots a game and you're shooting 43%, that's definitely not exactly ideal, but his numbers are still very good. That's why I personally think that he wasn't hosed when he was left off the All-Star team because his efficiency numbers aren't very good, but... Still a very solid player, still should be an entertaining matchup, assuming Curry is back for that one. And now without Rondo, uh, I don't know if Lou Williams is going to play, but it could definitely impact their bench because Lou Williams does provide a bit of a spark, and you could have him potentially go for 20 in any given game. I know Williams has had a bit of a down year, but uh, he still, of course, has the ability to be a microwave and to just torch defenses in very limited action. Looking at the rest of the team, though, John Collins, uh, 18.1 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game. I still think Collins is a very good player. Of course, with Young on the roster, you're going to have to sacrifice a bunch of shots. If Collins was the number one option on a team, I don't know how good you'd be, but I think Collins could average 24-25. I think he's actually that talented. But you also you have those two. Uh, you still have to wonder about the Hawks and really just how good this team is. I know that this team had some issues with regard to injury earlier in the year. Uh, you have DeAndre Hunter, who's averaging 16 points per game. However, he's been injured for pretty much most of the year. Ended up coming back, though, against the Clippers and against the Kings has played two games since his return back when he got injured in late January, but he's scored eight points and two points, so he's still kind of easing his way back, kind of curious how long it'll take him to get his feet back under him, but it's nice to see him back in the lineup. Clint Capello has actually had a very good year, averaging 14.6 points per game, but the crazy part, he's averaging 14.2 rebounds per game, which I feel like a lot of people didn't realize that he's averaging that many rebounds, and I think he can cause a serious problem for Wiseman on the interior because he is such a good a rebounder, but going through, Gallinari's been pretty good, uh, Cam Radish had a pretty much a mixed bag, but he's been injured as well, uh, Kevin Herter's been okay, McDonald's been injured, but he's still pretty good, yeah, overall, the Hawks are a pretty decent team, I actually think the Hawks will get the job done here, I don't know when Curry's coming back, which is the main reason why I'm a little bit hesitant on some of these predictions, but I do think that facing off against the Warriors, who I still think might be without Curry, I don't even know anymore, but I do think the Hawks have been playing good ball, have been playing good defense the whole lately, so I do think Atlanta should be able to get the job done. And last but not least, talking about Golden State's matchup with Chicago on Monday. Now, of course, Chicago made the big move of the day. Ended up picking up Vucevic 
uh, and I just mentioned that before with the trade deadline talk, but I give that move an A for Chicago. Now you have a pick and roll with Levine and Vucevic, which sounds absolutely disgusting. And if you want to actually talk about Chicago being a potential team in the East to make noise, this isn't the team. This team's not going to make much noise, but getting Vucevic should basically clinch them a playoff spot, which is definitely a step in the right direction. With Chicago, I still don't really like this team. As a whole, this team mentally checks out of games. It doesn't really show up. Yesterday was a perfect example, losing at home to Cleveland, and Cleveland is awful. But picking up Vucevic definitely changes the identity of this team. I think that Carter really underperformed this year, and it doesn't surprise me that Chicago ended up cutting ties with him. And Otto Porter's injured all the time. That's been a disastrous contract since the get-go. And really, I don't really know how to complain about that contract or that... uh, I mean, not that contract, that actual trade for Vucevic. I just think that's a phenomenal move. And you can argue, well, giving up two firsts is a decent amount, but when you remember Chicago should be a playoff team this year in the East and potentially in years to come, those picks might be in the low 20s. So that pick might not be that bad. I know you could argue it could be in the high teens still. Definitely not any, or not projected to be a lottery pick, so that definitely is more excusable for Chicago to give that up. But... Uh, yeah, I like the Bulls in that spot. I think the Bulls with Levine and with Vucevic might have a little bit, a couple of maybe growing pains, uh, just looking at the actual communication, but I gotta assume that Chicago's gonna be fired up for that, because this team has been used to tanking, or borderline tanking, because they've been terrible in picking at towards the, uh, I'd say the early part of the draft for the last couple of years, and now they're actually buying at the deadline, I think that's definitely gonna help them psychologically, just because they basically admitted the tank is over and this team might actually be trying to compete moving forward. But I'm looking at the actual rosters here, and I just think Chicago's better. Uh, Chicago with Vucevic, I don't think Wiseman can guard him. Uh, Vucevic has killed the Warriors numerous times this season, and Zach Levine is also a very, very solid scorer. Uh, There's a reason why he was an all-star, and I do think that that is a very nice one-two punch. Still have a couple of young guys with Kobe White. I'm just going down the actual roster, but... I do like that Bulls team now, and I do think the Bulls should get the job done. So my projection for the three games for Golden State, really uh, not exactly a, I'd say, positive, uh, I'd say, prediction video, because I think Golden State's going to lose all three games. But then again, it's I think you'd agree it's pretty, uh, I don't want to say bleak, but it definitely doesn't look good uh, whenever Golden State has to play and Curry is not in the lineup, because of course of uh, just how valuable he is. But... Overall, once again, uh, just I'm going to quickly recap my thoughts. I think they're going to lose to the Kings in a close game. I think they'll lose to Atlanta in a close game, and I do think they'll lose to Chicago. I think Curry should probably play on that Monday game because it is going to be following a couple of days off. So uh, you're off Saturday and Sunday, then come back Monday. I do think that Curry will end up playing in that game. But still, that's just a pure guess on my part. We'll see what happens. But other than that, though, that's an installment of the Ben and Barry podcast here on the Ben and Barry podcast presented by Bet Online. Good luck to all of you and your respective best today. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.